Good morning to you. We do love the Lord, and it's hard to say really any better with any greater words. I love you, Lord, and even I need you, Lord. As we continue our series of messages and run it back, we're looking back and seeing what we have learned from the past and how we can move in the future, realizing we have everything we need in Christ to run it back and to be on the victor side. A lot of things come to mind for me, and maybe they come to mind for you as you look back and what we've learned. But let me just begin with this statement. We should make Jesus big in our opinions small. If we just did that in Jesus' name, amen, go home, it'd be a great week, wouldn't it? <laughs> make Jesus big and our opinions small. I would say more than ever in our world, we need eternal hope. The world needs hope and we find it not through a thing or a possession. We find it in uncertain times in Jesus Christ alone. If the pandemic has taught you and me anything, it is the fact that reasonable, well-intentioned believers can come to different conclusions. Can I get an amen on that? Even if you don't agree with their conclusion. Let me repeat that. It's the fact that reasonable, well-intentioned believers can come to different conclusions, and there's freedom in doing so. It's interesting as we have opinions of people, how they live their lives and what they do, well-intentioned believers, and there's been many things in my life and your life that people have looked at and said, well, if that was me, then I would have chosen this. I mean, even from sports teams and sports people, if I were to say, and I will in this setting here, that Tom Brady is a great quarterback, half the crowd would hate me because you're an Indianapolis Colts fan, and you would say, oh, inflate gate, and you would say, he, he, he's a cheater, and, and you're entitled to that opinion, but it doesn't necessarily make my opinion wrong if I say he's a great quarterback. It happens in a, a variety of ways. I'm a Fairfield fan, and we have Westview fans, the Helmuts. Praise God for the, West, the Luke here and uh, Mason. And, but I can recall a game that I was at uh, many years ago. Our sons played, obviously, high school basketball, too, at Fairfield. And, and we were at a game, and it, our rival is Westview. I love it. It's a great rival. And, and some of the best basketball games that have ever been played have been played in Westview and Fairfield against each other. Two really good teams, um, great coaching, and we were at a game in the Westview Whistler. Have you ever been there? And there's a guy, the Westview Whistler. And, and so he stands up at the beginning of the games, he sticks 14 fingers in his mouth, <laughs> and he, little exaggeration there, I'm allowed a little bit, and he whistles, and he gets their fans going, it's fantastic, it's, it's phenomenal to have a guy like that on your side. He came to our court one night, he stood up. And so we decided that we would drown out the Westview Whistler. And so Bud Holmes at the time could whistle just as loud. So he stood up, and the crowd on the Fairfield side stood up and drowned out the Whistler. It was a fun competition, you know, the sport of basketball. But directly after that, I had someone come from the other side over to me, find me before the tip of the ball and gave me the riot act because I drowned it out. <laughs> Westview Whistler, you're a Christian and you're a pastor at Grace Community Church. How dare you? I said, bud, we're going to have to agree to disagree. <laughs> 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 
there are many things in our lives that we'll have to agree to disagree on. Anytime I post a picture of me shooting a deer or having a gun and, and agreeing with the Second Amendment and even an AR-15, some people will lose their minds over that. And you know what? You're entitled to that. And guess what? I'm entitled to that. Paul brings us to this passage in Scripture where people are landing on different sides of an issue, well-intentioned believers, and he's going to guide us through so that we can land in a place that God wants us to land. Grab your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 14, and we're going to read verses 1 through 10 to begin. And I ask you to stand in our auditoriums, and those of you who are online, we ask you to stand in your homes. Just don't take your hands off the steering wheel if you're driving. But stand with me as we read Romans chapter 14. We're going to read the first 10 verses. Would you stand and read? Ready? Read. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows him to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. Oh, pray for them. Verse 3. <laughs> the one who eats everything must not treat you with contempt, the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master. Servants stand or fall, and they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister, or why do you treat them with contempt? For we all stand before God's judgment seat. You may have a seat. I tell you what, if we get this down, if we get this down, we will live differently. So what can we learn from this passage? I believe the first nugget of truth is this. We must allow room for differences of opinion on the non-essentials. We must allow for a difference of opinion on the non-essentials. As you can see from the passage, they were differing in opinions on diets and days, whether to eat only vegetables or to eat meat and vegetables, whether to worship on Saturday or worship on Sunday. So there was a diet and days disputable matter going on, and Paul is addressing that. So you had Jewish believers and Gentile believers landing in two places on what was okay to eat and what day it was best to worship God. Yet Paul opens this passage with one word. And I want you to hang on to this one word. Look at chapter 14. Look at the first word of chapter 14. And just speak it out loud with me. Ready? Speak it. Accept. Just accept. And then he says, accept what? Accept the one whose faith is weak without what? Quarreling, without quarreling, without quarreling 
over disputable matters. So accept the one whose faith is weak without, 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 quarreling, quarreling over disputable matters. Never, ever, ever in my lifetime, in my lifetime, have I seen a country more divided over politics, mask, vaccination, open or closed churches, and more. I have never witnessed more lawsuits over trivial concerns than ever in my lifetime. We must find a way to not lose our minds over someone else's opinion and truly accept each other. Amen? Amen. In Jesus' name, amen, go home. You got that down, we, we would live differently. Recently, I came across a story that someone had passed on to me, a true story that Chuck Swindoll had shared in one of his talks. This is how trivial it has become. True story, by the way. In fact, it was first place winner amongst the Criminal Lawyers Award contest in 2002. The story goes like this, true story. A Charlotte, North Carolina lawyer purchased a box of very rare and expensive cigars, then insured them against fire, among other things. Within a month, having smoked his entire stockpile of these great cigars, and without yet having made even his first premium payment on the policy, the lawyer filed a claim against his insurance company. In his claim, the lawyer stated that the cigars were lost in a series of small fires. (laughs) I kid you not. The insurance company refused to pay, citing the obvious reason that the man had consumed the cigars in normal fashion and the way he did it was obvious. The lawyer sued and won. In delivering the ruling, the judge agreed with the insurance company that the claim was frivolous. The judge stated, nevertheless, that the lawyer held a policy from the company in which it had warranted that the cigars were insurable and also guaranteed that it would insure them against fire without defining what is considered to be unacceptable fire and was obligated to pay the claim. Rather than endure a lengthy and costly appeal process, the insurance company accepted the ruling and paid $15,000 to the lawyer for his loss of the rare cigars lost in the fires. Now for the best part of the story. After the lawyer cashed his check, the insurance company had him arrested on 24 counts of arson. (laughs) Come on, that's funny. (laughs) With his own insurance claim and testimony from the previous case being used against him, the lawyer was convicted of intentionally burning his insured property and was sentenced to 2.4 months in jail and a $24,000 fine. (laughs) That's the craziness that we live in, isn't it? Absolutely craziness. Paul says this, we should accept each other without quarreling over disputable matters. Think about what that means. Paul is saying there will be things that you and I will disagree about that should not cause division. 
Yet there are things to take a bullet in the head for and die on a hill for. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the word of God, I'm taking a bullet in the head for. Jesus Christ as the only way to God, I'm taking a bullet in the head for. But there are so many disputable matters that too many of us want to die on a hill for. And Paul is saying, listen, accept someone else's opinion on the, on the subject. So we are free to have opinions on things that are non-essential. You know what the Greek word for opinion is? Facebook. It just is. I have a childhood friend. I kid you not. He's been in Facebook jail eight times this year. And you know what's over? Politics. He has to somehow believe that he needs to put his opinion out there. People's opinions are not the standard for truth. You and I are familiar with the way ads are working on your phone and, and how when you begin to do a Google search and you begin to speak or post or put something on your timeline, if you're not, then you're very unaware of what's happening in our world. In fact, you can say something audibly with your phone and your phone will pick that up and an ad will appear almost immediately on your timeline. So in order to confuse those auto-generated ads, just take your phone and say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And nothing will show up. But the tra- same is true for us. Think about this for a moment. This is Paul trying to say, don't blow your mind over disputable matters. The same is true for us. If we just kept Jesus big in the way we lived our lives, if we saturate our minds with prayer and the word of God, If we replace Fox, CNN, Google, WebMD, red and blue donkeys and elephants, Fauci and Metasis, CDC, NPR with the NIV and the ESV and the NLT and the way, the truth, and the life, we would be in a much better place. But why is it so hard for us? Why is it so hard for us to not allow Christians to land in different places It's not something new under the sun. This was happening 2,000 years ago. We can't meet on Saturday. No, if you worship God on Sunday, then no, you need Saturday. You have to eat vegetables. You can't eat that meat because that meat was offered to an idol, and that because it was offered to an idol and the next day it was sold in the marketplace, it's tainted somehow. And so you had Jewish believers who had converted, Gentile believers arguing, and Paul says, wait a minute, accept each other's opinions on disputable matters. Paul had taught that Jesus' death cleansed all things. So pass the ribs and heat up the bacon and let's start the butcher porky. Come on, bring it on. That's what he's saying. (laughs) When it comes to morally neutral matters, only God has the right to evaluate the soul and judge the deeds of another believer. Seriously, just answer this question, just in your heart. Who are we to review the performance of someone else's employee? Have you ever thought about that? What right do you and I have to review the employees of God? He's our master. We're his servants. 
when did we replace God for judgment on his own employees? Imagine, imagine this week. Imagine this outsider walking into your workplace and saying, I want to do an employee evaluation of your employees. What? You don't even know them. You haven't even worked with them. You don't have a right. You don't have the seat. You're not in the HR department like, like our daughter is to have an evaluation of. What right do you have to come to my business and evaluate my employees when you don't even work here and you're not the boss? Yet, that's what happens all the times with us. We evaluate someone else's life when we're not the boss and the master and God is. There is a time to divide, but the bar for division should be really high on essential issues of theology. In fact, it might separate you. I have opinions, but I don't often share them on disputable matters. I'll, I'll keep Jesus as number one, but I'm not just going to put an opinion out there just so we can create a dispute. Instead, you know what my prayer has been? This has been a prayer that I pray to myself. You know why? Because I need it badly. I pray, oh Lord, please guard my lips and anoint my thumbs and set my mind on things above and point people to Jesus because you are the only hope of the world. Do you know what the, an opinion is? An opinion is the lowest form of knowledge. It's just the lowest form of knowledge. So Paul says this. If you do have an opinion, look at verse 5. Here's what he says. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be what? What's the next word? Fully what? Convince in their own mind. What does that mean to be fully convinced? In fact, we should obey our conscience. Some translations said you should abide by your conscience. It's not a word that we use much in our terminology anymore. It's unfortunate that we don't. Matters of the conscience are those issues that involve no direct, clear command in Scripture and therefore don't necessarily result in sin. Two people can land in different places on the same issue and not sin. We can learn to disagree. So Paul says, you must be fully convinced of what you're saying. But remember, our conscience can become better informed and because we're human beings and sinful, can be wrong. So the opinion that you have today might be different tomorrow. So don't lose your mind here when tomorrow you're here and you no longer agree with you here. But never, ever move on the essentials, the things that you would take a bullet in the head for. You had heard me say this on multiple occasions, and I'll say it again. This has kind of been me speaking to myself and then speaking to you. When it comes to these disputable matters, I will say, I want you to hear from the Lord. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you, and he can inform you to do things. That's what I'm saying. Your, let your conscience be your guide. Before you and I were believers... And before the Holy Spirit came into us, by the way, we have such an unfair advantage, those of us who know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. The God of the universe lives in us. 
And if we would just rely upon what he's telling us instead of our own opinion, we wouldn't have these, these issues that are blown up and just turned into these angry arguments. But before you were a believer and before the Holy Spirit lived in you, you had a moral compass that was broken. And it moved in all directions, kind of like, well, this, this will make them happy, and this will make them happy, and boy, I, this will make my workplace better. And, and it was based upon self-interest. But once the Spirit of God came in you, your conscience was connected to the Spirit of God, and there's only one true north, and we abide by that. But many of us have grieved the Holy Spirit. And in doing so, because of sin, those promptings, those nudges that the Spirit has been nudging us, we aren't sensitive to them. And if we're walking in sin, unconfessed sin, then we truly aren't following our Holy Spirit affirmations that are coming. But Paul said, you and I should be fully convinced. If you feel like something is wrong, here he's what he's saying, and you do otherwise, that is sin. So both of us could come to that fully convinced place and we believe this is what God is telling us to do. And if we did otherwise, it would be sin. And if they did otherwise, it would be sin. But hear me out. Just because we both land in these places, we can't force other people to do what we do. We're responsible for us. So he says, stand firm in your convictions while lovingly accepting someone else's viewpoint. We grieve the Holy Spirit. What are some ways to discern the Holy Spirit? You've heard me talk about the Holy Spirit's role in our lives and how he is there for us and he's speaking to us and he's nudging us and nodding us and affirming us. Take this job, don't take that job. Move here, go there, buy this. Marry this person, don't marry this person. Get out of this relationship, make sure you're, you're doing this. And so the Spirit is constantly, constantly speaking to us. So here's, here are some tips. Use them if you, if you wish. These are some things that I kind of run through when I'm trying to discern what the Holy Spirit is telling me what to do in even disputable matters or for even essential matters. First one is this. Does what I'm about to say or type line up with the teachings of Jesus? <laughs> like you get that one, you might just go home and dump your whole Facebook right now. Secondly, have I given myself some time before I respond or speak? Are you responding out of anger in a defensive way? Even to your own spouse or your children. Have you given yourself time to respond before you speak? Am I responding from anger? Fourthly, is there peace in my heart in saying or doing this thing with this person or to this person? Fifthly, does this post point people to Jesus? Fifthly, have I prayed about it? That one will dismiss a lot of thoughts and words. Next one is this, and I believe it's a good one for those of us who are married. Would my wife share it and be filled with exuberant joy by doing so? 
Like, would she see what you just posted and say, oh, that is fantastic. Next, is it meant to build someone up or to prove my point? Or how about this one? Would I die for this? You see, we belong to God and not to one another. And we answer to God and not to man. So stand firm in your convictions while lovingly accepting someone else's viewpoint. Imagine what could happen if we didn't judge one another and let God be the judge. (laughs) Just imagine, even in your marriage. Here's what I know to be true. Unity always trumps uniformity. We're supposed to be united together in Christ. But what has happened in our world, we say phrases like this, and hopefully you're not saying these phrases, but I've heard it over and over in the last two years. It goes like this. If you really loved one another, then you would do this. Fill in the blank. Listen to me. That is uniformity and not unity. Let's choose people over politics and over policies and relationships over opinions. That's what Paul is saying. What if we showed grace and exhibited patience to one another? What if we chose not to be offended? Just, just imagine that. What if, what, if, what, if, what if we can choose not to be offended? What if, what if we just said, I don't care what they're saying, I'm not even going to be offended? What if we stop taking everything so personally? What if we change the degrading way we talk to one another? What if we focus on what we do have in common with other believers? What if we stopped acting like everyone has to answer to our opinion? Are we humble enough to learn from one another? Seriously, can you really learn from someone that's blue or someone that's red? Someone that's masked or no mask or vaccinated or unvaccinated. Can we truly learn from someone who doesn't agree with the Second Amendment and someone that does? Believers, I'm talking about. Are we not humble enough to say, that's my brother and sister in Christ? I'm not going to quarrel over these disputable matters. I'm going to love them because if the world sees us, arguing with each other, then what do we have to offer the world from anything that they have? Paul is trying his best to help these new Jewish and Gentile believers with pork or beef, Saturday or Sunday. It's no different today, is it? Looking back over this pandemic, there has been so much anger thrown at each other There have been people strongly taking stands and condemning others for their opinions. The enemy has been chuckling at the church of Jesus Christ because he has accomplished what he wanted to do, to divide the body of Christ. And meanwhile, 
the lost world has been watching and shaking their heads. My hope is that we have not lost the right to speak into their lives. My hope is that we make Jesus big and our opinions small. Do you realize that there are people who who are hopeless right now? Do you realize because some of the views they take, they're trying, these are non-believers, trying to find a way through this? Do you realize that you have the answer and his name is Jesus Christ? Do you realize that you might have given up the opportunity to speak into your life because you have been so adamantly strong with this disputable matter that you have disqualified someone who doesn't agree with you, who is a non-believer, because of this disputable matter that you are willing to die for and should never die for. Do you realize why we're here? We're here to tell people about Jesus Christ. I am telling you, In my lifetime, I have never seen people more open to the gospel than right now. Why? Because they're trying to find their way through this chaotic world, and the only way through is with Jesus. I watched this happen on Friday night. We had our fight club kickoff down at the lodge, and it was a beautiful night. It was snow was coming down, and hundreds of men on the hill, and I'm standing down below speaking to these men who who made an effort to come out that night, and I'm proud that they did. And so I just shared the hope that's in Christ. It's not not rocket science. Just tell them the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And then I said, I shared that, that he's your only hope, and I said, the only way to really begin this journey is having Christ by your side and having him on your team and living inside of you. And so I just shared briefly the gospel and then i said this if you want to trust in jesus it wasn't like it wasn't elaborate it was just simple gospel and i said if you want to trust in jesus today and you want to begin this journey with him it's the best decision you'll ever make just trust in him today and so i asked the question and walked him through and then i said this if you made this decision to trust in jesus christ as your lord and people are hungry for jesus they don't even know it seven men walked down that hill through the snow it's the bravest thing they ever did why because the world needs jesus Amen. and then i watched this beautiful picture so they came down, I embraced them. We all had car hearts on. You can't even see each other's face. You're covered up. Like, slapped them on and gave them a high five, and they lined up beside me. And then I said something to our men that were there. I said, listen, this is your family. These are new brothers in Christ. I said, let's walk them to the guys clapped and cheered and whistled. And these seven men, you know what? That's what they needed. Then I said, you know what, guys? I want you to welcome them to the family. I said, come on down. So guys made their way down the hill. They were hugging these guys that they just now met and high-fiving them. These guys were like, man, just hugging back. And it was just this beautiful pain. That's what the world needs. Not your opinion. Now, there are things that are absolutely and categorically wrong that must be confronted. 
and addressed. Sin is sin. And it must be shut down immediately. But in the case of non-essentials, be patient with those who do not see things like you see them. Consider all the times that you and I have been wrong and God still accepts you. The good news of the gospel is that God accepts us despite our mistakes. We have much to learn from God in this area. (laughs) So he says this in verse 10 through 12. Look at verses 10 to 12. He says, you then, or I would say grace community, why do you judge your brother or sister Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge or confess God. And then he says in verse 12, so then each of us will give and what? What's the next word? Account of our what? Selves to who? Do you realize that our ability to judge others has many shortcomings? <laughs> Contempt means to despise someone or something on the basis that it is worthless or they have no value. This one principle should re- would receive, resolve so much conflict in our lives. Only God has the right to access the value of people because he created them, he redeemed them, and he knows them intimately. Only God can do that. Maybe we should quit acting like people must answer to us. I believe this with all my heart, and I'll say it today, because it's true, we do not possess the qualities required to hold the position to be judge. (laughs) The last time I checked, I found these to be true of God and not of us. We are not omniscient. Our judgment does not have all the facts. So whatever you feel about that thing or whatever you feel about this thing, whatever you feel, listen to me. You are not omniscient. I'm not omniscient. I'm not all-knowing. And so on disputable matters, don't allow them to lead to quarreling because you and I don't know what God knows. Secondly, we are not objective. So our judgment is tainted by self-interest. Thirdly, we are not perfect, so our judgment can be hypocritical. Fourthly, we are not God, so our judgment has no jurisdiction. And what do I mean by that? We don't have the power to make legal decisions on someone that is not our own. Isn't it interesting How we want God to change others without changing us. (laughs) God, show them, tell them. They're wrong. And all the while, God is wanting to teach us something. All we want is for them to do what we want them to do. It happens in marriages. It happens with disputable matters. We just want them. God, change them. Help them see the truth. And all the while, we don't want them, but don't, just get them first. What if we were humble enough 
to listen to each other and open to change if need be? And what if we were secure enough in our relationship and our identity in Jesus to admit that we're wrong? What if we prioritize our brother's spiritual health over our freedom? My Bible and your Bible says love lays down the desire to be exonerated as right so we can serve and build each other up. Serve them, love them, give up the right to be right. I don't know where you're at in some of these disputable matters, but I suspect all of us have something to learn. Let me give three warning signs that you might have crossed the line. The first one is this, when the issue becomes a controlling passion in your life. You argue about it, all your social media posts are filled with it. Remember, make Jesus big and your opinion small. Secondly, when you start to think about revenge against those who have hurt you or have a different opinion than you. Or you can hardly wait till they're proven wrong. I got this new video. I got this new fact. As if somehow if you send them this link, they're going to see it just like you see it. Or thirdly, you might have crossed the line when you attack the person and not the problem. Look what Paul says in verse 12 again. Here's what he says. So then... Each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Insisting on uniformity can be a self-serving thing, and eventually you only end up with people who echo back to you how right you are. Isn't that what happens? You have this view, you have this understanding, you have this thing that's just blowing your mind, and you write about it, and, 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 and you can't wait till you get a like, a retweet, or uh, a share, or just, just a little love emoji. It's like, and you know where they come from? They come from people who echo back what you believe. Are you really loving the world if you're just staying on this opinion side without entertaining how this person landed there and lovingly say, you know, I don't land there with you, but man, I love you. What if we just loved one another? My hope is that we haven't lost our mission to win our point and in doing so, losing the opportunity to speak in someone's life. Augustine said this many, many years ago, church father. Here's what he said on these things. He said, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty or the freedom to do. In all things, love. Listen to that again. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, love. Paul opened this passage, and look what he says. Here it is, verse 1. Here's the answer. He answered it right away. He said, Accept, 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 accept the one whose faith is weak without, without, without quarreling, without quarreling over disputable matters. Imagine a church that truly loved one another, that gave grace to land in different places, all the while making Jesus bigger. Bigger. 
on a personal level, I have lived through the same pandemic that you've lived through. (laughs) I have received calls that you would laugh about, and I do. I have brothers and sisters who land in different places than I do, but I graciously respond back. I had someone recently, two months ago, leave a message and just was asking the question, how can your church be open when this pandemic is alive and well? How can you not have your church Zooming their services? Isn't that better, the heartbeat of Jesus, if we don't spread the virus? Listen to me. He's entitled to that opinion. And that's where he landed. So I called him back. And I said, bro, I respect your opinion. And I'm grateful you hear from the Lord. But this is where I land. I said, I want our people to individually hear from the Lord. And if they want to come and meet, then come and meet. If they want to watch online, watch online. If they want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If they don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. If they want to be vaccinated, let them be vaccinated. If they don't want to be unvaccinated, then don't be vaccinated. We give them the freedom, just like Paul says here, because we don't want to divide. We want to unite. And I, listen to me, while I don't fully understand, I respect that's where he landed. What if we just respected other viewpoints? You will take some heat from people when you live to please God instead of man. But it's possible when you know who you are in Christ because no word from man will change the seat you sit in in heaven. People, let's come together. Strangers, neighbors. Our blood is one in Christ. Let's let the world see a united group of Christians instead of a divided group. Why would the world want to be part of a divided group when they're longing for unity, love, and hope in Christ alone? Lord, teach us. May we make you big, Jesus, and our opinions small. And why are our opinions so large and our learning so small? Strangers, neighbors, come together. We're one blood in Jesus Christ. Teach us, God. We have a lot to learn. Unite us under one name, one God, in one way. And may we live it in such a way that the world says, wow, they must be Christians because of their love for one another. In Jesus' name, Amen.